If you're just joining us, this is the fourth podcast in a series of articles and podcasts about the legal implications associated with computer brain interface technology. If technology evolved to the point where it was possible to enhance human cognition with the assistance of a brain implant, the question is, will the law respond? Today, we will discuss how a law like the Americans with Disabilities Act might step in to protect people from workplace discrimination who decide not to get a brain implant and rely solely on their own faculties. I'm Christina Jarimas, and this is Future Employer. Christina Madden is a partner at Seifarth Shaw. She focuses her practice on employment-related litigation and compliance counseling involving federal and state statutes that govern employment discrimination, harassment and retaliation, as well as employee leave and benefits issues, particularly concerning the Americans with Disabilities Act. Hi, Christina. Thank you for joining us today. I'm excited to be here, and thank you for having me. You've listened to our podcast with neuroscientist Graham Moffat. So let's travel into the future. It's not implausible that in 10 or 20 years, employees may have the ability to opt to merge their brains with a computer chip and attain superhuman cognition. First, talk to us about how you think this kind of technology would affect the workplace. Sure, thank you. It's such an interesting topic and interesting to think through all of the legal implications associated with a development like this. The first thing that comes to mind for me is that I think that not everyone is going to choose to be implanted with this chip. I'm sure that there would be categories of people who, for reasons associated with cost, maybe other barriers, uh, for religious reasons or medical reasons, did not want to have a chip implanted into their brains. I think it could seem a bit scary at first. At the same time, if this technology can really enhance IQ or let us access information in new and revolutionary ways that spark innovation, there's going to be a lot of people who will probably jump at the opportunity to take advantage of it. So we may see, as Graham explained, real disparities between these groups, some who do choose to have the chip implanted and others who do not. Right. And so if I choose for whatever reason not to get an implant, how do I compete with someone who has a computer enhanced IQ and who can do difficult tasks faster with me and perhaps with little to no effort, particularly in the workplace? I do think that's a real concern. And if the disparity got wide enough, the question becomes whether society would decide that there needs to be some sort of administrative guidance or even legislation at the state or federal level to protect against this type of inequality in the workplace. One obvious law that comes to mind is the Americans with Disabilities Act. Can you explain what protections that law provides and what implications this technology might have on the ADA? Sure, happy to. The Americans with Disabilities Act, or the ADA, prohibits employers from discriminating against employees based on a real or perceived disability. So employers cannot discriminate in decisions such as hiring, promotions, raises, and terminations, or any other tangible employment actions in the workplace. And just to provide some background, the ADA defines the term disability as a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits a major life activity. And not to get too technical here, but I do think that some background will be helpful. 
major life activities under the ADA, especially ones that would potentially be relevant here, do include things like thinking, learning, and working. And generally, you would look at whether an individual is substantially limited in one of these major life activities as compared with most people to determine if someone has a disability and therefore would be afforded the protections of the ADA. So again, that preliminary question is going to be, does someone who does not have a chip implanted in their brain going to be considered substantially limited in a major life activity as compared with most people? This determination is going to require an individualized assessment in large part, but it will be determined in part based on how widespread these chips become. So if most people in a population choose not to get these chips implanted or cannot for whatever reason, it's going to be difficult to say that it limits a major life activity as compared with most people, and it may not necessarily be considered a disability to not have the chip. But if these become very widely in use, then it may be a condition that substantially limits a major life activity to not have this chip implanted and therefore could be considered a disability. So if employees choose not to have a chip implanted in their brains, I could envision that becoming a protected status, so to speak, under the ADA if they become widely used and these individuals without the chip are constantly competing against individuals who do have a chip for jobs. This would mean that employers could not make employment decisions about people who opt not to use this technology for whatever reason, just because they don't have the technology. So take us to the hiring stage. How would an employer even know that a person had a brain implant? Also a very good question. So under the ADA, employers generally cannot ask disability-related inquiries, which is defined essentially as a question or a series of questions that is likely to elicit information about a disability. So to the extent that there is risk that not having a chip could be considered a disability, under the framework we previously discussed, there would be some risk in asking any questions to an applicant about whether or not they have a chip, as this could be considered a disability-related inquiry, which is prohibited. Employers, however, are permitted to ask about any non-disability-related impairments and to ask whether employees can perform the job functions of a particular position. So to the extent that not having a chip is not considered a disability, employers wouldn't be prohibited from asking such a question, at least not from an ADA standpoint. Now, after an employee's been hired, the standard is a bit different. At that point, disability-related inquiries are generally permitted as long as they are job-related and consistent with business necessity. This is the case when an employer has a reasonable belief that an employee's ability to perform essential job functions will be impaired by a medical condition. So the question for employers then becomes, is having the chip really related to an essential job function? So simply the fact that one person is smarter than another person or one person knows more than another person doesn't always translate into that person being better suited for a particular job. So before asking any questions about the chip and certainly before making any decisions on that basis, an employer would want to make sure that it is in fact related to and important to the job being performed. I could also envision a scenario under a disparate impact type of theory that could evolve. So imagining a hiring scenario, let's say 50% of the country's population has these brain implants and 50% do not. 
And let's say that an engineering firm, for instance, uses a skills-based test to screen candidates that really favors people with implants because they can perform better on the test. This would lead the company to hire more applicants, in theory, who have these brain implants, which would have a disparate impact on those applicants who do not have an implant. So to the extent that this was considered a disability and a protected status, a potential legal claim under the ADA could arise. And a lot of this for employers will largely turn on whether the test is job related. So in other words, is it really testing an essential function of the position or is it just testing that you know, one employee may be smarter than another employee. If it's really testing whether an employee can perform an essential function of the position, it's going to be easier for an employer to demonstrate or to establish that the test is legitimate. So you mentioned that not having a microchip or an implant could potentially be a protected category in the future, assuming that this technology even evolves. Making those assumptions, could you envision a situation where applicants and employees seek accommodations in the workplace so that they can keep up with the employees who do have the implants or microchips? Yes, I think so. So as you noted, the initial question would be, is the status of non-implanted or non-chip individual considered a disability under the ADA? And that is really that first threshold question for any of this to apply. But assuming the answer is yes, you would certainly get into the question of whether an employer is required to provide an accommodation to employees who do not have an implant. If employees necessarily perform better at a job because they have an, a, a chip implanted, what kind of accommodations could employees without implants seek? You know, I think it's something that's very hard to imagine at this point. But maybe, for instance, if we have technology to develop a microchip for a person's brain, maybe there's also some sort of external device that a company could purchase for an employee that would have similar functionality and allow that employee similar kind of cognitive ability. And then, you know, assuming there is some type of external advice, just for example, you'd want to look at factors like, well, how expensive is that device? You know, is that device $500 where it may be a reasonable accommodation for some larger employers? Or is this device $50,000, which certainly would not be a reasonable accommodation for really any employer? So I think, you know, things like that are, again, it's hard to imagine now just because we don't, you know, we aren't currently using the chips. But if, if the chip does, it, you know, become more prevalent, then I imagine there could be other devices that may kind of put individuals on a similar playing field. You know, if not having a chip does result in an employee not meeting performance expectations and there is no reasonable accommodation that an employer can provide, you know, there's no sort of external device that would really match what these chips are able to do or that would be an adequate substitute, then there may not be an obligation to continue to employ that individual in the position. Another question that arises in this context is what if an employee cannot get a chip because of a disability that they have? So obviously I'm no medical expert, but maybe an individual has a neurological condition, for instance, that the individual can't get a chip for that reason. And then if that neurological condition is considered a disability under the ADA, which it likely would be, then those same obligations would arise for the employer to potentially accommodate an employee. So to your point on there being some type of external technology that could help 
employees that don't have implants keep up with their peers? Assuming there wasn't any additional technology like that, how would an employer really administer an accommodation in the workplace? I mean, would an employee without an implant get more time to do projects? How would an employee prove that you know, my performance is lower because I don't have access to this microchip technology? I do think that's a that's going to be a very difficult question initially, but like all, all new things, the law and our experience always adapt to these new situations. I think that the initial framework that employers would want to follow would likely be the same as how we deal with any sort of medical condition that arises in the workplace. So as these chips start to be put into use, employers could deal with any request for an accommodation on a case-by-case basis. I envision that employers would require that employees follow their normal accommodation process by putting them on notice that they have a supposed medical condition of not having the chip, that it's affecting their ability to do the job. And then employers could provide the employee with the proper accommodation paperwork to be filled out by a healthcare provider to verify that an employee does not, in fact, have that chip and that it limits them in a major life activity. And that that's the reason that they cannot perform some essential function of the job. You know, the more the issue comes up, the more case law and guidance, maybe even administrative guidance that we could look for on point. You know, I would say in general, if there really is no accommodation that will allow an employee to perform at the same level as an employee who does have this microchip, then employers may not have any obligation to accommodate those employees. They, there really is no expectation that an employer lower their performance standards as a reasonable accommodation. So if there is indeed nothing that would allow an employee without a chip to perform at the same level as those employees who do have the chip, there really is not going to be an obligation for an employer to accommodate in that circumstance. Christina, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. If you have questions or concerns about the legal implications associated with using existing or future technology in your workplace, contact your favorite CyFarth attorney for advice.